0: listening to sci-fi tv rewatch episode 344 my name's dave and i'm joined as always by my co-host wayne as we discuss season two episode five of the youtube science fiction series impulse and uh yeah we nearly were going to record on tuesday night this week as you had your annual lacrosse meeting but uh apparently you pulled a queen gertrude and more (laughs) more matter with less art
1: yeah yeah absolutely let's let's get out of here let's uh say uh, what we
0: gotta say and Let's beat it. So we are recording on our traditional Monday night, at least traditional for right now. It's always yeah. subject to change. Although we've been pretty pretty fixed Monday or Tuesday the last couple of years. So yeah, uh,
1: yeah. And I've uh, I've scheduled uh, lacrosse practice to be early on on Monday, so uh, we still should be able to record Monday night. So we're yeah. good to go.
0: All right, sounds good. Yeah, because that obviously gives me plenty of time to do the editing and. Uh, yeah that's always nice to be able to get it consistently to you guys at two a m on Friday and, and i guess seven a m for Fred I think he's $5 two am a, yeah that's what I always posted i mean i it, really? I can do it automatically
1: oh okay, so I didn't even realize like what time it went out
0: yeah, so I've been putting it i I used to put it at four a m and then it just occurred to me from talking with Fred that he listens on his bike ride to work, and I'm thinking like woof. Well, He's not getting it till 9 a.m. He's already on his way. Yeah, What's what's the big deal? I just set it for 2 a.m. instead of 4. It's, you know. Right. So uh, anyway, uh, um, some, I don't want to say big news this week out of Netflix, but it's also not surprising that they announced season three will be the last for Lost in Space. How are you feeling about that? Oh, um, I don't know.
1: I'm not. I'm not thrilled. I like Lost in Space a lot, but, you know, three seasons actually is probably enough to actually just tell a story, you know, and, and not, uh, I mean, let's fa- face it, the kids aren't going to be kids much longer, and, you know, once they grow up, it's not like you can be like, you don't want to deal with, like, with, like, a bunch of... 20-year-olds in space, lost in space.
0: Oh, right. You have to keep doing those nine-month time jumps, which, again, not that big a deal. But I'll have to dig the article up. It's been a few months since I read it, but it wasn't an official stance from Netflix, but it was just somebody putting two and two together, and everything this person said in the article made sense, is that Netflix has settled on essentially a three-season format for its original programming. Not that they never deviated. I guess if they have a monumental hit on their hands, right? But that from a financial standpoint, things start going downhill at episode three. So they just basically cut it off and and I guess if you know that going in, that's a that's a good thing, as you said. Sure, three seasons to tell a story. I mean, you know, that's thirty hours for most yeah. of these shows. Yeah. So
1: right you know like i said i mean like lost in space uh, going back and watching it a second time i w- enjoyed it a lot to go back so um you know it's yeah you know, I, I, I you know, ultimately i guess i'm okay with that you know i think tv's just kind of evolved where you know 25 seasons of gunsmoke we just don't need that <clears throat> anymore or you no know,
0: well, you, was uh, the, now was you said twenty five seasons. Did you mean twenty five episode seasons?
1: Well, no. Like uh, maybe it's not Gunsmoke. What was the that western that was on Bonanza?
0: Bonanza was on for like well, it, like it twenty might have some been, years, right? Right. But in that day and age, their seasons were like thirty six episodes right. long. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know. Now, granted, they weren't doing serial stories for the most part. The way you know we've become accustomed now but uh, right you know uh well let's yeah, jump- throw
1: a two-parter in there every now and then or something. yeah
0: every once in a while all right well let's jump to the tip of the week what we're watching and you know i've mentioned the new pope on hbo before and and uh it stars john malkovich and jude law and it's just a great show i only one episode a week so f- on the one hand, I really like it that way. And, and tonight it does air. So my wife and I are psyched. But I, I think we are probably going to share uh, what we're watching this week because uh, I know you're watching Babylon Berlin season two. Uh, my wife and I are at, sea, are at episode nine. Okay. And how, how far are you? I'm at episode three of okay. season two. Okay. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything. I mean, I've already it, seen it. Season two?
1: Yeah. Are you talking season three? Oh, season
0: three. I'm sorry. I I season yeah. three. Right, right, right.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, all right, don't spoil anything.
0: Yeah. Uh but if you guys don't know about Babylon Berlin, it's on Netflix uh, you currently. You totally
1: should know. It's so good.
0: Oh yeah. I mean it's this post World War One jazz age backdrop in Germany. Season three takes place in nineteen twenty nine. So, you know, we... well all of them
1: take place in nineteen twenty.
0: Oh, they all do? Okay. Yeah. So so we see the Nazi party kind of in the background and, and they are part of the story, but and I don't even want to say tangentially, but, but they are certainly part of the story, but at the heart, it is a crime drama mm-hmm. that, you know, centers around this one police detective. But I, I think you probably agree with me. I mean, one of the things that is such a draw is just, the ambiance yes. of this time period—I yeah. just love it—and yeah. and, and yes, it's the Great Gatsby time period. But there's something that's cooler about what was going on in Germany at the right. time than yeah. in
1: the U.S. Yeah, well, without a doubt, um, yeah, it really captures, and it's it is right on the brink. It's 1929, so the great the the, the stock market crash hasn't happened yet, and everything that came in its wake in europe you know all that hasn't happened now hitler is a thing and they actually mentioned them every now and then because his big beer hall push um happened in 1926 i think um i actually looked it up and then forgot but so you know but there's also like you see uh, like the communist party being very strong and influential and popular as well and the the fights between the communists and the fascists and the police and Everything. It's just a time period. There's a lot going on in Germany, and like you said, I mean, my like my favorite scene I think is in season one, <clears throat> and uh, the one was this Russian lady who uh, is a singer who dresses up like a guy and and sings, and she's performing, and it is just the coolest scene. Like there's people dancing, and the song is really cool, and her stage presence is out of this world and it's just like you know you just can't help but think but you know, I'm not one of those people who say, oh, I wish I could go back to some other time. But, man, if there was a time that I could go back to, I think it would have to be, like, 1920s. And Berlin, probably the place you'd, you'd want it. I wouldn't understand what anyone was saying, but, you know, it looks like it'd be really cool. And apparently a lot of people are having sex, too. So it all worked out.
0: Uh, yes, and that continues to a certain extent in Season 3, not as much as in Seasons 1 and 2. But it, it also is like... I guess kind of drawing me to explore some of these German Expressionist films of that period. Mm -hmm. And I haven't done it yet, but uh, like you said, it's just really good. Uh, You know, I believe my wife and I watched seasons one and two with the English dub. I'm not sure why. This season three we've gone all, you know, German audio with the English uh-huh. subtitles and again, in general, that's a much better way to do it. So
1: Yeah, it is, but the dubbing for this show is pretty good. Um I kind of was been going back and forth. Like I'll watch it in German for a little bit, but then you know, you get like a a long line and, and you're you're missing visual stuff because I'm reading with the lines and you know, the the dubbing is not at all distracting. At all, you know, and and I think for the most part, um, German movies and TV shows, you know, because German and English obviously are very closely related languages. So, um, you know, when you have a, a show or movie that's dubbed from German into English, as long as the actors doing it are pretty good, it's it's usually pretty good. And the actors who do the voices for the dubbing of Babylon Berlin are very, very good. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it is better to, to hear the actual actors in German, but as it is, um, I can, my eyes can pay attention to the whole
0: screen. Um, if I just l- listen to it in dub as the dub version. Yeah. Well, two things real quickly, I swear, and they don't list the names, but I, I said to my wife, whoever's doing the dubbing, because we, we started watching it in English for a little bit, maybe 10 minutes or so. It's the same person that's doing some of the dubbing in Dark, I swear.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I, I recognize the vo- the voices for sure.
0: Right. But then, you know, you messaged me uh, about Jordis Treble, who plays Katarina Nielsen in Dark, is also, a, uh, I, I don't want to say a major character, a recurring character in season yeah. three. Uh, well, and She's in seasons one and two as well. Right. But I don't. No, if I didn't notice her or make the connection, I, I I don't know. But yeah, it's too bad she's not a badass in this uh show. Well,
1: she's pretty badass. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay.
0: All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure
1: if you were yeah. yeah, but she comes in. Well, I won't. Yeah, I won't spoil. But yeah. um, in, in the same scene that we really kind of first see her, it's during a um a a communist parade, May Day parade, in Berlin that the police then attacked the marchers. And um, and she plays a doctor uh, that is participating in the parade, and of course she gets more radicalized because of it. But in this that same scene, um, the guy who plays Helge is yeah. also in that scene, and I was like, whoa! But because when I watched Babylon Berlin two years ago, I guess we hadn't I hadn't seen Dark yet. I think.
0: Wow. Well, then I guess maybe that's why I missed the connection. But yeah. Anyway, uh, we better hold dark for uh, a future date, because uh, it's going to be easy to go off the deep end here. So, so yeah, let, right. yeah, let's get to <laughs> once, impulse. Once we say
1: that word, then you open up the floodgates to a lot of other stuff.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. so episode five of season two, titled Crossing the Threshold, written by Candace Philpot, and this is her only writing credit, directed by Sydney Freeland, who directed an episode of fear the walking dead and and we've said this before it, it certainly seems as if they're giving a lot of first-time writers and directors a chance and for the most part they've you know they've been hits rather than misses i mean you know we've had a few yeah, documented a
1: not great but yeah
0: yeah but for the most uh, part yeah but that title crossing the threshold i mean a threshold obviously takes you from one point to another. And, and all of these characters are taking those steps in this episode. And, and I want to start with Anna Hulche. Wait,
1: are, are you not going to say Joseph Campbell? I just left it for you, man. Uh, You
0: know, I think we've done it before, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, just, that's obviously a big part of, of the Campbell's uh, mythological cycle is, you know, the, the hero um, making that first steps towards leaving home and striking out And uh, so crossing the threshold is literally from uh, Joseph Campbell's mythology.
0: Right. And we get that scene uh, with Towns and Henry where they're in the school building. And I believe it's in season one towards the end where he says, this is as far as I go. The hero has to cross the threshold on her own. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, let's talk about Anna Halche for a second. Yeah. does she get fired or does she resign or are we not really clear about that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's not really clear. I don't think, um, I think it, well, you know, she, she grudgingly handed over, you know, the obligatory pushing your gun and badge across the desk, uh, scene. I think I just said obligatory, obligatory, not obligatory. I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there, but, um, so it really seems like sh- like there's like some kind of board there that has either fired her or you know she's having to take a leave uh of absence or something like that. Well, but yeah. either way, she's you know she she is experiencing a downward trend in her career trajectory.
0: Well, you know, I'm very fond of saying, you know, it's either this or it's that. And I think one of them even says, you know, it seems you were either drunk or on drugs. Yeah. And we certainly can see their uh, perception of these events that she claims actually happened, but she confides in Fisher again. And I I think that's fascinating to watch because we want to trust Fisher. And so far he's not given us a reason to distrust him. I mean, he Uh. tells her, well, I mean, he hasn't, you know yeah no, not, back, not you know?
1: outright but he could you know he, he definitely bears the hallmarks of the, the 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 backstabbing weasel that smiles to your face and then but I, I don't I don't really think that about fisher but you know he makes out okay by this you know
0: well he, well he does and, and he tells her you know that he'll do everything he can about uh you know pursuing this lead about bill because you know she tells him about finding bill's blood in the dining room of course he's kind of surprised that she's bucking protocol once again and then that scene with sheriff dale's wife uh, you know okay oh so you baked <laughs> yeah i baked yeah we, we see her open that stupid package of muffins or <laughs> whatever they were right. and well, you know well, i wouldn't mind a muffin right about now but <laughs> they did look tasty but you know i, I mean is she just there to kiss this woman's ass? Is that yeah. what that's all about? And- yeah.
1: Well, because Fisher basically says, or is it Fisher? Someone tells her, you know, you basically, I guess, I think it's Fisher. He says, you know, you, you basically need to call it every favor that you possibly can. Now, why she thinks of going to the lady who she basically told to F off and refused to put her husband's picture up in the, in the police department after he was killed why that strikes her as an ally that i do not
0: know well and she makes no bones about it i'll make sure your replacement finds bill so uh, again and that precedes the scene that you mentioned where she slides her gun and badge across the desk so i don't want to say it doesn't matter whether she resigns or is fired. I mean, I think it does matter to a certain extent, but I guess in the big investigatory picture, it doesn't matter because we know she's not going to stop.
1: Right. Well, ex- and, and that's, that's the point exactly, is that, you know, I think she has to be fired just because she's not a quitter and she's not going to be, she's not going to quit. She's not going to hand in her badge Good of point. her own will unless she's, she's made to do it. Now, the question is, should she quit because maybe if she had a little bit of quitter in her, uh, her career would probably going a little bit better at this point. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, Cleo and Thomas, that, that's an interesting uh, turn of events as they're certainly getting more domestic. And, you know, I'm starting to come over to the line of thinking that Cleo, I know she really cares for Thomas. I mean, is it. Fair to say maybe she's even in love with Thomas or too soon to say that? Uh, it's
1: too soon. I mean, th- Thomas definitely provides her uh, kindness and security and affection that she clearly has not experienced in many of her relationships. And he is a nice guy and, and he cares for her and he cares for Henry and everything. But, uh, you know, the we we still... You know, again, the first question is, what's a woman like that doing with a guy like that? You know.
0: Yeah, true. Comes um,
1: down to it. And, and, and nothing. I'm not, I'm not. Well, okay, that is rude to say, but you know, um, you know, Thomas is definitely hidden out of his league, and he knows it.
0: Yeah, um, and if she really is in love with Thomas, then I, I guess we have to acknowledge that Cleo is. You know, making some some meaningful changes in her life. So again, it, it's to be determined. But you know, the whole scene with the college brochures, and we know that girls are juniors in high school. So it's, I guess, it's never too early to start looking at colleges. But th- this whole storyline where Jenna's planning to go visit Colgate, it's probably a little bit early. Uh, again, maybe not. But Henry. Uh-oh. Was, but
1: they, they got Megan there, you know, like there's, there was kind of, you know, I mean, like I know my son who's a junior will go and visit his brother any chance he gets. Right, know. but it's
0: not to look at the school, it's to. Right, well, you know.
1: I, that's not really why they go to Colgate here either, you
0: know. <laughs> exactly, and Henry, Fred mentions Henry's attitude in, in this episode, in his feedback, and. Again I feel like I'm consistently defending Henry but she certainly takes Jenna uh Jenna's offer to go with her the wrong way because she she accuses her of of bragging yeah, about I it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but I was really surprised not that Jenna could look beyond that and hand Henry the art brochures that she thought might actually interest Henry. I was surprised Henry looked at them instead of just tearing them up and throwing them off to the side of her room so i thought well that's maybe a good sign despite everything else going on in henry's life that the idea of college to study something that clearly she's interested in and clearly has an affinity for well okay so there's something else going on in there which is cool
1: right um yeah and henry does show progress this week uh, I'll give her that um, but again she is still lashing out at the people who m- most give them her their most unconditional love um, are the people that she's attacking so not a big fan of Henry at the beginning, but uh, certainly she is making steps here um, and you know keeping that brochure because it, it, I mean I, we see her lashing out at Jenna as really just petty jealousy. Um, you know, Jenna's a good student. Yeah, Jenna has a plan. Of course, she has a plan because she's a good student. So why is why should that bother Henry? Yeah, you know?
0: right. And, and why should it bother Cleo when Thomas brings it up? I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, his tact maybe leaves oh, something to be desired. His tact is terrible, right? But but it's kind of the same situation with Cleo. She takes it totally the wrong way. I mean, he meant it genuinely and and he's not wrong like i said but you know still yeah
1: but i mean anyone who's been in any kind of relationship with anyone at all just cringes they just see where thomas is going like no don't don't go no thomas thomas don't say it ah he went and said it right but uh ah, thomas you but, deserve everything you get buddy <laughs>
0: well and he gets uh, something there at the end of that sequence because cleo goes snooping in henry's bedroom we're wondering well, okay what's she looking for oh uh, i knew she, what she's looking she for. sees the you know husband's notebook oh she snags a joint um, yeah. hey look at that yeah maybe henry Bingo. maybe she won't but but she starts looking through her husband's notebook and i was a little surprised she wasn't more interested in looking through it unless it's something she's looked through extensively in the past. Yeah. Well, remember,
1: she packed it away. Right. So I think it's definitely something she'd already been through.
0: Right. Now, we do see that one column labeled locations in dreams. So we, we know that he was cataloging the different places that he's gone, and, and certainly we've seen – some of the places, maybe all of the places that that Henry has traveled in her dreams. We don't see her keeping any kind of a record. That, I guess, would be town's job. But, uh, uh, you know, I wonder whether she, Cleo, that is, just dismisses it as the ramblings of a schizophrenic. And if she does, I guess you can understand that.
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, And I think, yeah, I think you nailed it. I think you put the nail in my head there. um, There you go. Um, that uh yeah that 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 she is kind of dismissive like uh that that guy was crazy as all get out and i don't need to go through this crap again um you know we know that that that's a very sensitive subject for her and what she went through in her marriage and especially at the end of it um she was you know I don't know if I could use the word traumatized, but certainly that has negatively affected her ever since.
0: Well, and certainly Thomas has asked her to marry him. And and we said at the time, in in part, I think we believe that he really does love her, but it was so she could get on his medical insurance. But the situation kind of turns around as she tells him i'm not used to having a partner and i'm thinking like ah oh, you know maybe there's really something here and asks her if he'll do her the honor and i'm thinking like Are she gonna get down on one knee nope i smoking this joint with me
1: <laughs> yeah yeah baby steps you know you take yeah, one step at a time in your relationship but but it was yeah i mean that was a very funny build up unexpected punchline to it i liked it um, well-delivered as well.
0: Oh, she's got the candles lit to mask the smell, yeah. as if Henry's not going to be able to smell through that. But
1: Yeah, she's going to make a beeline up to her and be like,
0: Mom, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> You owe me. All right, anyway, <laughs> uh, the other thing we see in this episode is the awakening of Jenna and Towns. And for Jenna, it's something we've been talking about.
1: I like how you use that word. Why is that? Awakening.
0: Oh, okay. Like, you know, the novel. Oh, right, right yeah see um you know but i guess my first thought is directed towards towns and and we're throughout a lot of this episode what is up with him you know fred mentions in his feedback about towns and the way he's reacting to things as they start unraveling to a to a certain point but the first clue we get is when he tells jenna he'd just as soon go to Colgate alone and then of course you know we get that scene where he's uh, you know telling the girls cuz they're staying in his sister's dorm room as you mentioned and he's ready to go to bed at 7:30 and at first we're thinking like what and <laughs> and I got to tell you I don't remember ever playing yahtzee in my college dorm room now you know maybe that was just the crowd that i ran with but yeah uh, maybe <laughs> you know but but even before that they arrive at, at the town sister's dorm room and he immediately tells her that you know i've got her roommate's bed cuz she's got two boyfriends and is never here you can sleep on the floor and i think we suspect that i can't remember if we actually knew oh yeah yeah we saw her with an, a girl at the bowling alley uh, yeah you know in in that previous scene but you know now he verifies it that you know she has a serious girlfriend um and then they have that conversation about his girlfriend zoe and her boyfriend zach and you know the fact that neither really knows about the other and he of course claims he knows zoe far better than she knows zach
1: but but jenna does a pretty good Job of you know deflating that balloon though yeah
0: yeah exactly exactly and I I think it's kind of setting us up not so much for Zach to do something unexpected but for Zoe to do something unexpected and and we've talked about her just peripherally as she pops up in episodes here and there and you know Towns getting these strange messages on his computer that somebody that's obviously watching everything he's doing so you know i i I like the fact that they just throw that out there and and the fact that he thinks he knows her so are they setting us up that dude you don't know her at all
1: yeah well i mean that's i i am very that i i definitely if i were to make a prediction i would say absolutely completely 100 percent setting us up that you know that i almost thought because what he you know like You know, ended up getting a cab and and going to a Mexican restaurant. I'm like, oh, is he going to meet Zoe? And then it was, you know, the guy for that was Dominic's friend. I'm like, huh, I wonder if Dominic's friend is Zoe.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. But, and now you mentioned Sam, and, you know, we meet him in the cabin, and he's this recluse for good reasons. He's trying to stay completely off the grid and and in fact that's why he agrees to meet towns at this restaurant you know all of this seems to have come out of nowhere or did i miss something you know his, uh, no. his well, meeting no, sam
1: no, well not not out of nowhere necessarily because uh sam is the guy that's been communicating with
0: <clears throat> uh towns through the computer right and probably sent him that videotape we assume okay right Mm -hmm. and and he fills him in on dom's background and and he tells him whatever nikolai wants from henry it's not good and when sam says that he showed up thinking henry might be able to help him get off the grid i'm wondering well does he just think she's going to, you know, put her arms around him and teleport him somewhere? I guess. I think that's exactly what he was thinking. Which yeah. would have been cool, I must say. You know, right, right. But
1: even had towns brought Henry, she's not there yet. She's not able to do that. So Sam was, you know, set up for major disappointment here. Either
0: way. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I've got a perfect place to bring up my metaphor of the episode if you'll bear with okay. me for a second all right uh because you know after towns meets with sam he's really freaked out jenna actually tries to call towns because she needs a ride but it's her that ends up meeting him at the restaurant he's really upset we can't help her and you know after thinking about those two photos that Fred put on the Facebook group of, of the uh, restaurant in Bucharest and pointed out how the one from 89 is really these muted sepia tones to reflect the, you know, kind of the dark period in, in, in Romanian history. I couldn't help but notice that in the restaurant, the two of them are sitting in the dark. And again, they really are truly in the dark about Everything that's going on with yeah. Henry and Nikolai,
1: yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and you know, it, Towns is is getting a, a pretty tough lesson in this episode in in reality, right? Yeah, now you know, oh, always yeah. see Jenna challenging him, telling him that Zoe could not exist at all, not be real, Uh not certainly not what he thinks. And then, you know, here, you know, cause like Towns is really, you know, he, this whole sidekick and everything, like he really has been going about this, like it's a comic book. Right. And he, right. he and he's been kind of only peripherally dealing with the, the situation in any kind of realistic fashion. But, uh, but Sam gives him a, a very cold shower of reality, you know? And um, and it's not a game. It's not a comic book. And it's not fun. And it's not heroics. It's it's brutal, and it's
0: cold, and it's nasty. Right, and it's going to be fascinating to watch how he handles himself as we move forward because, the, as you said, he's had a tremendous eye-opening experience with Sam in this Mexican restaurant. And I guess the question will be, can he recover from it? Yeah. Yep. Now, the other... Th- scene we get is with town's sister and the party to which she takes jenna i don't know about you but this party featured some performance art that is really bad
1: (laughs) yeah really really bad excruciatingly uh, bad (laughs) i think we've all been there at like one point or another when um you know i i was an english major in in college so you know i i uh, participated in reading and uh, sharing bad poetry, and also was able to hear uh, people sharing their bad poetry as well. So, you know, probably if if you were any humanities major in college, you probably recognize um, this party and and uh, you know probably experienced some such like. But man, that one girl was just wow! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, as Leonard Pinth Garnell would say excruciatingly bad yeah <laughs> Do you know who that is leonard Pinthgarnet? i don't uh from the very early seasons of saturday night live it was one of dan Aykroyd's character oh, okay. who was like uh you know one of these uh bbc you know shows where they talk about the i can't think of uh the actual show but anyway um she meets kate and i mean the sparks are flying immediately between these two and and Kate turns out to be in the science department. Kate kisses Jenna, who kisses her back, but the surprise kind of catches her off guard and, you know, she runs out of there. What do you make of that?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of what we talked about. First of all, I would be completely remiss if I didn't name drop Katy Perry at this point. Cause you know, she had the big hit song. I kissed a girl and I liked it. Yeah. So Jenna kissed a girl and she liked it, but she is also, you know, I mean, we, we've been saying it. She's not like, she definitely has feelings that she recognizes. And she also recognizes that, you know, they're not necessarily mainstream f- things that she's feeling. And she's a little scared about that, especially, you know, like we saw, I I believe it was two episodes ago when Thomas was just like, you know, when you, someday you're going to get married and that lucky boy and all that stuff. And so even Thomas just is espousing the normal party line and I'm using normal in air quotes here. um, You know, the, you know, the mainstream view of that, you know, everyone is, you know, it's, boys and girls, you know, one boy, one girl, you know, the, you know, the party line of that. So she, obviously she's, you know, she's, I think she's both excited by and, and very scared of these, um these things that she's feeling. And, you know, she goes out, you know, it's not like she just lays back and, and lets, was it Katie? Was that the girl's name? Kate. Kate lets Kate kiss her. I mean, she, Kate kind of backs off and Jenna like kind of jumps her. Right. So she's definitely into that. Um, But then, you know, that part of her, that, that part that's been, you know, drilled with, you know, mainstream middle-class influence her entire life uh, recoils from that. Right. So she's just a really, a a confused kid, not, not confused, a kid who's, you know, dealing with a bunch of conflicting emotions and, and thoughts and, You know, obviously, that's not something you're 100% going to handle in in a calm and rational manner.
0: Right. Well, you know, as we've talked about, I mean, it is a step in her sexual awakening. And whether that's the the direction she heads, we don't know. I I just hope there's more to it than just that. In other words, how is it going to play into the larger storyline of Henry? And the teleporting and you know Nikolai's uh sister uh, I guess adopted sister or whatever she is or is it just going to be out there because I mean certainly she's got to now cope with that this awakening but it's it's nowhere near the level of what Henry has to cope with Uh, I guess I feel that way I mean uh,
1: but so, you know, it's it's just I, I I don't want to take away from it and say it's not in the same level. It, it's certainly not as life threatening as what Henry is dealing with, but I think it's pretty monumental. Yeah, um, true. Yeah, you know, for any kid who, especially if you're uh, you're still in high school and you know, like you are still in a middle America. Morality is, you know, all over high school and anyone who sticks out is, you know, punished or whatever. So, you know, high school is a pretty strict uh, code of, of conventionality and, um, and and to try and break out of that or to even consider breaking out of that is a fairly daunting consideration.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. And, and I, I think uh, on a lot of levels – She's going to have a just as difficult time as Henry's having, albeit she doesn't have people that are after her that want to do bad things to her. Right. And in this episode, the awakening that Towns has is a lot more uh, extreme, yeah. but it's, it's only going to be a matter of minutes or hours until Jenna is... You know, filled in on everything that towns has learned i mean he you know we see the beginning of that when they're sitting in the mexican restaurant but you know henry's continuing education is, is kind of a big deal in this episode and i love how they they present the opening scene because we see clay who's giving an interview and okay let's look past the fact that really what tv station is going to air yeah, an interview but okay whatever ridiculous <laughs> it's like my wife says Okay, you believe teleporting is real, but you have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah,
1: right, exactly. Uh, right, but she's well, learning that's to... how that's how preposterous it is is that you know we totally buy the teleporting part. Oh, wait, a TV station is going to interview Clay about his dad. Ah, that's yeah. a stretch. Isn't it? <laughs>
0: exactly. But as she's learning to control her emotions and power, he tells the interviewer that that his life now feels like a prison. And I, I think we have to acknowledge that on one level, that's how she sees her power, that, that it's this prison that, you know, and, and Nikolai even mentions later in the episode, we didn't ask for this. Right. And it's, it's been thrust on us and we got to do the best we can. But the other thing I love in this episode is the fact that Henry has a job. Yeah. At, the, at the local pizza where place where did that and, come from and by all accounts she's a good employee i mean we see her doing what she's doing perhaps uh, she could ha- be a little more enthusiastic yeah i'd
1: say she, she doesn't really have her heart in it very much but what what high school kid does like you know uh, for that matter anyone who is uh working in like a restaurant and you know that doesn't pay a lot and everything you can know, you, you know, understand a certain level of lack of enthusiasm
0: there uh, at least she doesn't have to wear the uniform like judge reinhold in fast times at Ridgemont high
1: so uh, or uh or steve in stranger things exactly season three
0: exactly <laughs> but uh you know apparently she has spent a lot of time in the garage trying and, and, and nikolai tells her he knows it's unfair and we've talked uh, over the last four or five episodes what his intentions are and i just find it hard to believe that he's going to make the decision to give her up to his sister knowing what he knows but before we even get there what the hell's going on when she's riding her bike (laughs) at night down the middle of the road and appears to go head on into the oncoming tractor trailer. I mean, how do you read that scene?
2: Ah,
1: I, I was just like, what? So on the one hand, it seems like, you know, we saw like Nikolai last episode, right? Um, stealing the food, then jumping off the roof of a building because he knows he'll jump, right? He knows he'll transport. Right. Um, now here, Henry does not- so, actually, this is what I took, because actually listening to Fred made me think about this, is that she she's not in control. Like, even with Nikolai, he had, like, some measure of control of what he could do when we saw him jumping off the buildings. So, here it seems like she's going to try and force herself to jump, but then she doesn't. It's like she plays chicken and she chickens out, um, you know, running her her bike off the road. So I, th- I think it's just an example of how she is... Because she has not confronted herself and con- confronted what happened in the truck, that she's still unable to have any f- form of control at all over her abilities. And, well,
0: yeah. well, did you see it at all as a test? I, I mean, at one point, I'm thinking, if she could try to commit suicide, I mean, even though we know... Her body probably won't let her get hit by the truck. It's almost like, what's the point if if you really know your body won't let you? Then why are you even bothering to play chicken?
1: Right. Exactly. Well, and, and does like her body know? Like, well, you're you're going to chicken out. Like, you know, like she didn't jump because her body knew you're not you're not going to do it. As, as a kid, so I know you were still teaching when the kids would say, "You won't." Remember that?
0: Yeah. Sure.
1: You know, right. like her body's just saying, you won't. Yeah. So no, we're not going to jump. Cause I know you're not going to do this. If push comes to shove, when the truck gets close to you, you're going to turn and you're going to you know, run off the road and not get hit.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, he just says so many things to Henry as they're in the warehouse with the truck and, and, you know, the, the scene in the lawn chairs towards the end of, of that scene is really funny on one level but he says so many things like you're more than what happened in this truck and and yes he's trying to motivate her to pick up the pace because she's got to learn control faster but again i know i i said this a few minutes ago why does he want her to gain control quickly I, i just find it hard to believe that he's this disingenuous with her it's not your fault after reminding her that she lasted longer in the truck that that time i think it was like four minutes at that point because he can see how traumatic it is for her to be in that position and he's been in that position himself
1: right It, it, it probably takes every ounce of his discipline to say listen you think you've had effing trauma let me tell you about my story, kid, you know? But he doesn't do that. He's really patient with her. He's very understand. He understands that she went through a traumatic experience, and he's got to help her through that. And by taking that stance of, listen, you don't know trauma. Let me tell you what happened to my family, what happened to my uncle, what happened to my best friend. You know, he doesn't go there. He just, he's very patient with her. He even takes all of her teenage BS you know, all her attitude, and he's just like very patient with her, and just like, okay, you know, and ultimately, his method, his teaching method, I guess, um, yeah, you know, it really is, up.
0: yeah, and it really is an effective method to where they are in the truck, and he's asking her, Tell me a story about a time you felt safe, and she brings up that incident. Uh, when she and her mom drove by a fair and, and they got out and, and and the clay memories just keep flooding in. And, and it's certainly something she's got to learn to fight against. And she gets her emotions under control. And then suddenly she tells Nikolai, I feel safe. What now? And I love his response. Well, try going somewhere. Yeah. And the next thing you know, she's teleported both of them and the truck right to this pastoral field and i'm wondering is that the same field where the fair took place or is it yeah uh, and he says i didn't know you could do that But she (laughs) she says
1: i didn't know i could do that he's like
0: neither did i neither did
1: i and you know like fred mentions that and i think there's there's two things that because obviously a um, he didn't know, he wasn't expecting that at all, so he's rather shocked, but also, this I think is exactly what his stepsister wants, Exactly, right? yes. Yeah. So move. he's like freaked out because, holy shit, like- you can do exactly what they want you to do. And so now, you know, like if, like, cause I agree with you. I don't think he's so, um, but when he learns that she can do exactly what the big baddie wants her to do, that he, he that freaks him out. Cause now he can't say, listen, she can't do that. You're just going to kill her. There's no, leave the kid alone. She can't do what you want her to do, but she totally can. So that adds a little wrinkle to the whole Uh, situation i
0: just thought it was a wonderful way to take us into the next episode so yeah because that's what it all boils down to clearly she can do what his stepsister wants is is he gonna tell her the truth Uh, anything else you want to bring up before we listen to fred there's one thing, I, I know it's a nitpick,
1: but just this this whole thing with Megan, right? So when we first saw Megan, she's home, right? It's during the school year. She's home. She's not at college. To the extent that we've seen her a couple of times, we think, well, she's the one taking care of Towns, right? Like the parents are around. Then all of a sudden, this season, the parents show up. Uh, oh, okay. Well, Towns has parents. We didn't see that before. And now Megan... Is at college. Like, well, hold on. (laughs) Like, she's been home an awful lot if she's at college. Even so, like, she had her, you know, like girlfriend she brought back to, you know, this dumpy ass town resting. So it just, the the whole thing smacks of they got to this episode of, like, you know what? Hey, we're going to make Megan a college student. She's away at college and let's just kind of forget about all the stuff we had her back in Amherst during the school year.
0: Okay. Anything else? So, uh, nope.
1: It's about, except I have a couple, I know a couple of buddies who went to Colgate.
0: Good school. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week and we will be right back.
2: Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to sci-fi TV rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for impulse season two episode 5 first off shortly want to come back to last week's podcast in last week's podcast you were discussing the pictures i put on the facebook page so the picture of the restaurant outside the restaurant the terrace on which henry and Nikolai sat in episode 2 and he was eating that soup there Meeting Daniela, of course this Daniela is the same Daniela we see back in 1989. I said, by the way, a uh, little mistake, 86, but of course it's 89. In that uh, same taverne, a restaurant where Nikolai m- met his uncle who was playing cards there. And the waitress is also the same Daniela, of course. But uh, I found it very... Striking that they took a very sepia tone to film everything in episode 4, the reflecting the the time period and the Romanian uprise and grim period in time. Very nicely done. But of course this was the same spot where they filmed it and it is actually in Bucharest. David Hayward put a Google Maps link on the Facebook page and you can indeed see exactly the same spot. And you were doubting if it was in England, but it's just because David used Google Maps Co. UK. So it is in Bucharest. But in the meanwhile, I discovered that the street where Henry and Nikolai sit on the street is actually called Strada Nikolai Donitsa, And that is a Romanian painter that lived from 1886 to 1940. So he is sitting in his own street. Well, just a little Easter egg. And a compliment to David that he found this. Then of course we get Henry back in this new fifth episode. And I hope Wayne is not too unhappy because she is very unfriendly again to Jenna. What we see here that Jenna is kissed by a girl. Well, we fully could have expected that. And we could also expect that she would be startled and confused by it. Daniel Maslani does a marvelous job in portraying Town Slinderman. But in his autism, I think it's a little bit over the top. And that is not in the acting of Daniel, but that is in the writing. He is just a little bit too blocked etc. and too yeah, disturbed always and anxious etc. Of course there are people like that but for this series it doesn't work for me. A little less would have worked better for me. I didn't fully understand the scene with the truck. Henry is cycling towards the truck and she is not teleporting. She has to dug away to the side of the road. So, is there something changing in her teleporting? Is a threat, for instance, only if it's very big enough to transport? Or if she's going into a mode of self-control, and perhaps that even means that the automatic, in big threat situations, teleportation is gone, and she has to consciously transport which she, at the end, is able to do. I loved this scene with the garden chairs going towards the car and how Nikolai is guiding Henry there. Funniest part of the episode was, of course, when Towns mentioning Kingping to the guy he meets in that restaurant and wants to explain who Kingping is, and the guy says, oh, don't insult me. Of course I know who Kingping is. And for people who don't know who Kingpin is, it is a big villain in the Marvel comic universe and the movies and the series. The last remark Henry made when they teletransported the whole truck, she said, I didn't know I could do that. And Nikolai says, me neither. Is this that he is impressed by her teleport capability, that she can do more, for instance, than he can? Okay, we'll have to wait till next time to find that out. Last night I had some respiratory problems. Fortunately, no fever, no coughing. This coronavirus really gets in between your ears. Being a doctor doesn't help in that either. Probably only hyperventilation. Really hoping that I don't get sick, because next weekend I will meet William Shatner, our Captain Kirk, in Amsterdam, together with my son. And of course also the whole meeting can be cancelled. As far as I know he is on a cruise ship now, the so-called Star Trek cruise. Perhaps that boat even goes to Amsterdam, where he will be next weekend. Actually I think it could be also frightening for an actor meeting so many people that you get infected uh, by that way. And he is 88, so that's another extra risk factor. So hope everything goes well. Greets, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands.
0: Um, you know, one of the things he brings up, I mean, you know, he mentions Jenna being startled by the kiss, but uh, I mean, towns and what Fred refers to as maybe uh, an over-the-top way he's playing his autistic character that it it turns Fred off a little bit and I guess that's a difficult judgment to make for I guess for anybody because I mean obviously you and I have taught autistic students but they've been all across the spectrum and as I've told my wife many times you know when talking about various students you know on the one hand you could come in my room and I'd I guarantee you, you couldn't pick out the kid that's got autism. Right. So, it, but,
1: you know, I, I did have, actually, there was a couple of kids I had who, when they got upset, they would just, like, especially this one kid, he would just start slamming his arms on top of the desk, throwing books around, stuff like that. So when Towns, um, his utmost frustration just starts banging on the table. That's like, I thought of that, that young man, I just immediately thought of him. I'm like, oh my God, that is just like what, what this kid did all the time when he got like really frustrated. Um, so I recognize that, but you're absolutely right. Like the, the spectrum is broad and there's a wide range of kids, but I definitely recognize Townsend's behavior there. I've, I've seen that in kids before.
0: Right, and I think what we've maybe got to acknowledge is that in the course of his day-to-day life, Pre Henry Coles, he's been able to manage disappointments, uh, roadblocks, uh, you know, things that are thrown in his way. This is a whole new level, yeah. And he's done a miraculous job up to this point. And this meeting with Sam, it's almost just like it's too much. It's like sensory overload, sure. which is is clearly something that. That uh children and adults on the spectrum have to cope with that that you know he 's even mentioned towns that is that that the music 's too loud or there 's too much talking or whatever that that it 's really bothersome so i 'm okay with towns and his reaction, in fact, I felt like it it really fit the yeah. situation
1: well like I said, I mean it resonated like i right away i 'm like holy shit i have i 've seen that i I, I have definitely. Seen that reaction 100% from kids before. Right.
0: Now, Fred also brings up whether or not Nikolai is jealous of Henry's powers, that, that perhaps she can do things he can't. And and I think you and I agree on this. It's not jealousy. It's, it's alarm. Fear. Uh, yeah. As to what will happen to her should his stepsister find out so yeah i don't think he's jealous i i think it, it, it like he's like henry i wish i didn't have these powers
1: yeah right right he said that, and, yeah we didn't ask for this right um right yeah like we said you know we mentioned it last episode why would you give us a, an hour-long episode i think it's pretty, almost an hour long um where you are affirming Nikolai's humanity in order to make him this betrayer right yes or someone who's just setting henry up i just can't see that happening i, I don't i don't think they would have bothered to to show us all that unless he's going to step up in the end and, and is going to try and help henry
0: out right i mean i can see and i agree with you about fisher that i could see perhaps him turning on anna but not Nikolai, not yeah. not the way it's been presented, particularly in this episode.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So now the other thing Fred mentions is he's going to a convention with his son to see William Shatner. Dude,
1: that's not going to happen. I, can,
0: can you imagine? That's not going to happen, is it? You mean because of the coronavirus? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. I, I I assume it's in the Netherlands. I don't remember if Fred said uh, they were leaving the country. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that it would still take place. But and William yeah, Shatner's 88.
1: Particularly- I didn't realize he was 88. Man, he's old. Like he's yeah. he's like the he's like prime target for the disease. Man, like oh, no, quite. he's on a cruise. What are you doing on a cruise, <laughs> William Shatner? You're 88. Good point. Did you, did you point. not hear about coronavirus? How long ago did you leave
0: the states? Come on, man. Yeah. So still, it's William Shatner. Yeah. Right. So uh, Fred will keep us posted on that. But anything else about Fred's feedback? Um. um no. Okay.
1: Uh, well, so just, you- well, one thing, like, like okay. so and I'm not going to go too far, but, you oh, okay. know, he did mention how, you know, my displeasure with Henry and her attitudinal behavior. And I think i mentioned before, like, they start off this way and I was just like, oh, here we and go again. They're just going to have Henry be the, you know, the the pouty, obnoxious. But the, she, you know, once she gets over her own attitude and starts listening to, especially to Nikolai, then now I think we're seeing some real growth in Henry, and maybe they, the brothers can start moving forward with her instead of just this kind of three episode rut where Henry's just a, a really shitty t- teenager. Well, that's true, but
0: what just occurred to me is that Henry is on this search for her father and whether her father's alive or dead, we don't really know. We've got Thomas, who has no intention of replacing her father, but he's there if she needs him, a father figure of sorts. And then, of course, Nikolai, who is acting in that regard as well. So we've got these three male individuals that are kind of hovering over henry and we don't know how any of it's going to play out from a narrative standpoint there's a lot of different directions we can go and and certainly you know whether she's gonna meet her father or not you know i guess remains to be seen but i like it yeah so all right uh what are you giving it for a grade this week uh I will give this an A minus. Okay. I'm with you on that. It was it was it was
1: a really a pretty good episode. Uh a lot of good stuff uh happening here. Um you know. Yeah. Okay. I was digging it. Uh,
0: watching Babylon Berlin and seeing uh the, the actress that plays Katerina in it, it starts getting my mind going towards dark and mulling things over and and, and it just made me realize how right you are that if we are giving most episodes of dark a's how can we give impulse the same grade because yeah good as impulse is it's not there it's not there it's not there yeah a minus is a good one so all right well why don't we go ahead and leave it there for this week and that will do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Impulse, uh, Dark. uh, Haven't mentioned that in a while. It's not too far away, I don't think. Uh, Anything else going on in Genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Send us an email if you want, sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com. Send us a voicemail, record your own, leave it as an attachment, or you can use the voicemail tab on the website, We'll be back next time to talk about Impulse Season 2, Episode 6, titled Seven of Hearts. But until then. You know,
1: as my wife said to me the last time I stayed out, maybe a little too late, you'll sleep on the floor.